Hello everyone, welcome to Adoran Talk Sports, the only podcast that talks about every single team and the sport being discussed, except of course in special instances like today, the NBA Finals. Uh, this episode about Game 5 and a look into Game 6 is brought to you by Humble Bundle. This isn't quite a sponsor, but it is an affiliate. If you check out the link in the description below, you can check out Humble Bundle and all the fantastic programs and softwares and books that they offer at great prices while helping out charities and uh, a little bit goes towards me as well. Uh, just going to throw that out there. Uh, if you're interested in looking for supporting a charity, supporting the content that we create here, or just looking for something brand new to learn, play, or explore, you can check out Humble Bundle. Again, using the link in the description below will get you access to all of the different bundles that are available for a limited time, so I would take advantage of that if you can. There's all sorts of stuff that's available. I'm obsessed with buying cookbooks, for example, so uh, if you want to check out anything like that or brand new software or anything, you can check out the link in the the description below before we begin because i never actually say this in the beginning of any any of the episodes i am a basketball casual maybe slightly more of a uh, game watching casual than the average casual but i am a casual so keep that in mind if i say anything absolutely blasphemous so let us go to the game itself game five of the nba finals in san francisco as the boston celtics take on the golden state warriors this is it basically uh, this is where everything is on the line. Game five is exactly what everything is boiling down to. It has now become a best of three series uh, with each team winning one at home, winning one away. Everything is balanced more or less at this point, barring momentum and other items like that. And we go into this game and this game was different. Now I'm going to put a slight caveat here. Um, that I was listening to this game on the radio as opposed to watching this game straight up because I was traveling. So as a result, things might be uh, skewed from my perspective because everything is really based on just what I heard. Uh, I was watching some highlights afterwards, kind of matching up the moments in my head to the moments in game. But uh, they were the, the radio hosts uh, that I was listening to via ESPN uh, were not fans when plays went bad. And that I find entertaining. I highly recommend, maybe not in this finals, especially if you want to actually see what happens. But at some point during the, the next NBA season, uh, spend some time and actually listen to the radio broadcast. Not necessarily a uh, one-sided views uh, perspective. Don't listen to... I mean, you can, obviously. But uh, if you really want to listen to... Uh, a neutral party's point of view listen to like the ESPN or TNT radio broadcast of uh, big games I highly recommend it because it's definitely an enjoyable listen so in this game uh, we can finally reveal the score that I've been hiding that you probably already know existed the Golden State Warriors win game 5 104 94 breaking Boston's streak it's lasting since I think March of not losing back-to-back -back games. Uh, that is finally broken here as the Warriors win 104-94 in a tough-fought, highly defensive or just a lot of people missing shots game, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, this game was intense. I think this game was very different than any of the other games that have been played so far. There have been games uh, in this series where one team's just inefficient, but where both teams struggle? That's kind of surprising. Uh, if we look at the team stats as we go through and look exactly at how things were working, Golden State Warriors shot 46.6% from the field. The Celtics shot 413 Now, that sounds bad enough as it is. 
the three-point percentages were shocking as well. Celtics go 11 of 32, that's 34.4%, which is already uh, below average. And then the Warriors go 9 of 40 from three, that's 22.5%. This is the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Gary Payton, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. They go 22.5%. Uh... So already inefficiencies galore. Free throw percentage, uh, while the Warriors were pretty good, 13 and 15, which is 86.7%. The Celtics go 21 of 31. That's 67.7% from free throw range. And this is the team that I think in the league was second best in free throw percentage at around 80%. Very surprising stuff here. The rebounding game won by the Celtics, 47 rebounds to the Warriors, 39. Very different from the strategy that we were thinking throughout this entire time. Um, in my head, I was always thinking the Warriors win the game if they win the rebounding game. That wasn't the case here, although they did get a lot of rebounds from clutch players. Uh, the assist game, however, Warriors lead that 23-18. They had nine steals, the Warriors did, compared to two by the Celtics. Just consistent turnovers. The Celtics had 18 turnovers, and the Warriors were able to get 22 points off those turnovers compared to the Warriors just having seven turnovers and nine points off of those. Uh, big difference there, um, which all total together for the Warriors to win. So now you must be thinking, assuming that you haven't heard what happened in this game, it being 24 hours later, oh, Curry must have gone off, right? That's exactly how the Warriors won. You know, he went for 40-plus in Game 4. That's exactly what happened here, and that would not be further from the truth. Steph Curry ends this game with a, for his standard, pedestrian 16 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds on 7 of 22 shooting, and 0 for, 0 for 9 exactly, uh, from three-point range, the first game in, I think it's 223 games, uh, the first time since 2018 that Steph Curry does not make a three-point shot in a game that breaks his record. He has got the best two records. I think it's like 223 and 196 uh, for games in a row making a three. And third place on that list, I think, is Jordan Clarkson with like 101. Um, and I think that series has also been snapped. So, Curry series snapped here. He's got to try to restart that. Oh, no, what was him? Uh, but he was very effective. I mentioned the eight assists. Um, his shot wasn't going in, especially his jump shots. A lot of his shots that he made were layups or bank shots. Uh, he made a few mid-range shots, but you know, very inefficient, missing all his three-point shots, resulting in him playing more of the playmaker role as uh, everybody else um sort of filled in the gaps here. This was the first game that the Warriors really had a team effort. We've been talking about throughout this entire series that the Warriors have been Steph Curry and maybe somebody else, uh, usually Andrew Wiggins. In this game, it was a team effort highlighted, of course, by my man, Andrew Wiggins. Now, uh, if you don't know this about me, you'll you'll quickly learn when you look through all the, the backlog, if you're ever looking in the backlog of these videos, audios, podcast episodes, uh, or just going forward, um, my favorite players are the players that have some sort of story behind them. They're, it's usually either A, some sort of story behind them, or B, they play differently. And that might sound weird, like, what do you mean play differently? They just have something different about them. Like, Draymond Green, for example, is one of my favorite players, because he doesn't play the game with any inkling of attempting to score points, right? Draymond Green's role, he he knows his role, he plays that well, and Draymond Green plays that to a T. He is the mastermind assist, like, building the defense out, like, you can, you know, a beautiful mind, this sort of thing, but Draymond Green is not attempting to score points often, right? That's one type of story that I really enjoy. I enjoy the player that plays very differently, plays a specific skill set, and does that to a T. 
My second favorite type of player are the players that are type that have the story behind them. And Andrew Wiggins absolutely has that story behind him. I mean, the, it's it's very clear, very obvious. Everybody knows the story. Wiggins drafted number one overall uh, from the Cavs, traded over to the Timberwolves. Um, has a great rookie season uh, for his standard, and then it seems as though it plateaus. His story goes from, oh, interesting rookie, um, Maple Jordan, best thing since LeBron, and that sort of thing, uh, and then devolves into, oh, he's just empty stats, and then Wiggins, you know, he can't lead a team, he can't do anything, that's, you know, he's, he's a bust, is what the story was. Then gets traded over to the Warriors. Many people at the time thinking this was a terrible idea. Wiggins is not gonna, Wiggins is just a contract and a body, and over time, over the years, he has slowly adapted into the system, finding his niche, finding his place, and, exp- and just plays it beautifully. And if you need Andrew Wiggins to go back to 20-plus scoring, you know, 20-a-night type of guy, Wiggins can do that. As he proved here in game number five, ended up with 26 points, uh, 13 rebounds, two assists. This, Wiggins, multiple games in a row now where he's just been collecting boards. Uh, so 26, 13, and two on 12 of 23 shooting. That's a smidge over 50%, though it did not make a three-point shot, which is basically the case for everybody minus one player uh, on the starting lineup. Um, but still, Wiggins was impactful offensively. Defensively, he was impactful as well. He was consistently making stops, uh, had multiple steals in the block, and was just shutting down the Celtics. Uh, through his own effort. So Wiggins was the real highlight player uh, on this side. That's the, the first guy I want to mention. The second guy I want to mention is a person who has gone through multiple injuries, years of sitting on the bench waiting to come back, and Clay Thompson comes back and just shows, hey, I'm still Clay Thompson, right? I may not be 2018 Clay Thompson, but I'm still Clay Thompson. Ends up with 21 points, uh, three rebounds, two assists on seven of 14 shooting, and five of 11 from three. The only person on the starting lineup to make his three point shots, and he was making them all right. After, uh, especially late in the game, in that uh, making a lot of clutch three point shots to being able to really set the stage here. Um, so, Clay Thompson, absolutely. And there were some instances of defensive. I, I think the idea that Clay's defense is gone is definitely overblown. Um, I still, I'm, I'm a very patient person compared to uh, other fans, I think. Um, and still in my head, I can picture, wait a minute, six months ago, Clay was basically trying to remember how to walk, right? That, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But Clay was, you know, getting into basketball form. It's only been six months and already he's back to shooting-wise, at least. I remember seeing um, at least some stats afterwards that his shooting is just on par with the rest of his playoff series, right? He's averaging about the same number of points, roughly the same percentages and everything like that. The only thing really left from prime clay is his defense, and I think that'll definitely pick up, maybe not in this series, because I think uh, I don't think he's going to turn back into uh, defensive, like all-defensive team-esque uh, Clay Thompson um, anytime in this next week. But definitely when you look at next year, I think that's going to come back to at least 80-90% of what he was. So Clay Thompson ends this game with 20-plus points. We talked about Curry, who, although was 16, was really playing that assist game. Andrew Wiggins we talked about. I'm going to also talk about Draymond Green. Um, mentioned previously how he's one of my favorite players just because of how he plays the game and how it's different than what you think a basketball star goes for. It, you know, Most people you think, oh, I'm going to go for the points. That's standard, I guess. Draymond doesn't do that. Uh, Draymond ends this game with 8 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, not quite what Magic Johnson thought of a triple-double, but uh, certainly close to a double-double, um, especially the way that he was playing. And I thought throughout the game, and uh, both listening to it and then watching it afterwards, for the most part, Draymond Green played 
extremely focused basketball. He was he was he was uh, he was boisterous, but not to a fault. Right, that was a big flaw with Draymond in the previous games. Was that he was so you know out there and in your face that it almost became a problem. Uh, and while he did foul out of the game, he was still very, very impactful throughout this entire game, uh, constantly getting rebounds, making fantastic assists, driving to the basket. He had a dunk at one point that, that got the whole crowd on their feet. Um, and basically, this is what you want to see from Draymond Green, right? You have roughly 10, 10, and basically a triple-double with you know, straight 10s. Uh, he was a couple assists and a few rebounds, a few points shy. Uh, 50% shooting. If he was able to make a three, that would just be icing on the cake. Uh, he was 0 for 2 from 3 and still has not made a 3 in the series, but I don't think that's too big of a deal. Um, and really, the only flaw I can really say about Draymond was uh, the fact that he fouled out, right? I think w- without that, this would have been a perfect Draymond game. Uh, also want to shout out Jordan Poole, continuing to be that start, uh, spark plug off the bench, uh, 14 points uh, in this game, including, of course, uh, which seems to be a trend, that buzzer beater game, uh, three point shot that he had, uh, at the end of the, was it the end of the half or end of the third? I can't remember in this game. Um, but he, he was fantastic. And then Gary Payton, the second 15 points, uh, five rebounds, three steals as well. Um, he shot six of eight, one of th- uh, six of eight from the field, one of three from three point range and was a defensive menace as has been the trend for Gary Payton. Um, so that those are the Warriors. Um, a lot of players played on this team uh, significant minutes, right? Kevon Looney had 17 minutes. Uh, Gary Payton at 26. Jordan Poole at 14. Uh, they were playing uh, outside of um, garbage time minutes. Uh, Bielitsa played a few. Iguodala played a few minutes as well. So you could argue that they had played uh, 10 deep, right? Because I remember Bielitsa had a few minutes early in the game. Uh, Iguodala had some minutes spread throughout. Uh, and then eventually turned into, you know, Kuminga and uh, Toscano Anderson and everybody else going out there uh, at the very end. On the Celtics side of things, um, weirdly enough, this was one of the most efficient games that Tatum has, Tatum has had, uh, which, you know, sounds like a good thing. But in this game, it wasn't particularly fantastic. Um, Tatum, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, shot 10 of 20 from field, 5 of 9 from 3. So statistically speaking, d- did pretty well, uh, but had 4 turnovers, which already isn't exactly ideal uh, if you go over to, um, Jalen Brown, that second guy, 18 points, but five of 18 field goal range, oh five 5 from three, not, uh, not ideal as well shooting wise. And that's just kind of that defense, uh, that the Warriors brought throughout this entire game. Marcus Smart, 20 points, seven of 15 from the field, three of six shooting, uh, from three point range. Robert Williams said 10 points on four or five from the field. Al Horford, nine points on three of six. Uh, so like statistically speaking, it's not too bad necessarily. Uh, but Grant Williams didn't have a lot of uh, action there. Just a lot of fouls, frankly, uh, ended up with three points, three rebounds, one assist and multiple turnovers. If you go over to, uh, who else was there? Um, Derek White had only one point, Oh, four from the field. Oh, three from downtown. This is the first game that I think Derek White has really been a non-factor at all. Uh, and the Celtics, just as a whole, sort of went on runs. This game was uh, somewhat of an ugly game, I think, between the two teams. But the real thing was just the runs that each team had. The Warriors controlled that first quarter. And then at a certain point in the second quarter, the Celtics kind of really take over. For the first time in the series, the Celtics win the third quarter. They won at 35-24, only for the Warriors to take the fourth quarter and just go away from it from that point. Um there was a point in the game, but for the majority of that first quarter, it really felt like it was the Warriors game. That's it. Wrap it up. We can tie this in the bow. Celtics make a comeback in the middle of the game. Then Kerr makes the adjustments in the late third, early fourth quarter to give the Warriors the lead and then go from there. Um, 
That is game three. Uh, game three. I was going to say game five. In a nutshell, Warriors win this, going to Boston now for game six this Thursday. It's going to be an interesting series game because this is this could be the game. This could be the series right here. The Warriors are one game away from winning the NBA championship for the fourth time in six years. Fourth time in eight years. I I don't know the exact uh, timeline here. Uh, one game away. The Celtics, of course. I don't I don't know if they're going to. I don't know in my head the uh the number of game number of uh what am i trying to say the number of instances where they've lost three in a row i'm not sure when the last time that happened because you know the last time the two in a row happened was back in uh i think it was like marchish march time um and even in that second game i think that they didn't even bring the entire team it was like a covid related issue so if you want to count that uh as a non-factor and the last time was i think january so three in a row might be difficult uh i do i did say in the beginning that the warriors were uh, were gonna win in seven i'm still sort of sticking to that i could see boston easily rebounding at the same time the celtics and this is a, a trend uh that has been occurring in the previous not a trend this is a, a theory that's been tossed out there in the twitterverse however much you want to believe in that but uh the celtics kind of look gassed at times and that would be somewhat surprising to see um if they if, if they can rebound from that and i think they might need the rest just to relax and figure out what to do here but uh that could be in a significant impact in this upcoming game six right because i don't think curry is going to be uh, as bad shooting wise uh overall game was okay by curry but shooting wise was not great i don't think curry is going to continue that and the later we go into the series the more Clay Thompson y Clay Thompson is going to get. We all know about Game 5 Clay, Game 6 Clay. Well, it's Game 6. Game 5 Clay existed. You know, he, Clay, Game 5 Clay did his thing. Game 6 Clay is going to show up, and that's a real thing. Wiggins carrying over this effort from last game and this game. Um, Draymond playing much more calmer than he was previously. And, of course, the spark plugs. Gary Payton defensively, Jordan Poole offensively on the bench. They've got the Warriors have such a nice, deep Swiss Army Knife esque team that they can just plug and play whatever they need to do, and that's how they've been so successful in this in this series as a whole. If they need more offense, they'd probably take Draymond Green out, put Jordan Poole in. Uh, or if you want more defense, you take Otto Porter out maybe and put Gary Payton in. You, you build the team. If you need some boards, you take Otto Porter out, bring in Kevon Looney. Uh, now you got Green, Porter, Wiggins getting rebounds. Curry is a very good rebounding guard. The team is just built in a way that you can adjust everything to uh, properly make what you want. And that's how the Warriors have been so su- successful uh, throughout the entire you know half decade. I'm just looking at it right now. Uh, so 2015 is when they won their first one. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is their one, two, three, four, five, sixth appearance out of eight seasons, of which they have won one, two, three. Four. This is wild, right? Well, okay, so they haven't won four, but they're in the lead to get to, to win four. Um, the Celtics, of course, need to pull out two games. They can. They've had series in the past. Uh, just the uh, just the previous series against the Bucks, I believe. They were down 3-2 uh, and were able to come back, win game six, and win game seven from that point. So it's definitely possible. There's no need to write off the Celtics and just automatically give it to the Warriors. We have seen many instances where a team is up 3-2 only for the other team to end up winning. But if the Celtics don't find a way to stop the Warriors 
then there's really no shot. And this is weird because we've been considering the Celtics to be such a defensive team. Uh, and they have been for the most part. I don't think the Warriors have been scoring outrageous numbers or anything like that. But they just have not found a way to stomp all the Warriors at once in the way that I think the Warriors have been able to do it to the Celtics in previous games, right? You, even if you score 28 points, 29 points, 30 something points, uh, if you're inefficient doing it, that just means that, okay, you chucked up a bunch of shots, many of which missed, which give the Warriors another opportunity to score. And that's what the Celtics have had throughout the entire series, right? They've had regular instances of players being inefficient from the field, which are just opportunities for rebounds by the big guys on the Warriors' side. Uh, and Andrew Wiggins has taken full advantage of that, for example, with 16 rebounds, I think, in the previous game, 13 in this one. That's, you know, 16 and 13 is 29 rebounds in two games. Pretty impressive stuff. That's just opportunities that the Warriors reset. Okay, it's my turn now. Let me try to figure something out. Uh, they also have to be better from free throw range, right? Like, second best free throw shooting team in the league, shooting 67% is not ideal. Um, they definitely have the opportunities. You make half those free throws, and all of a sudden this game is all of a sudden, uh, you know, a bigger game. Half those free throws and one or two more three-pointers, it's a tie game, right? So that's a big thing that I would keep in mind there. Game six is going to be very interesting. We're going to look forward to that on Thursday uh warriors have a chance to wrap this one up in six games which would be a great way to end the season for them celtics of course still have the fight in them and they've won games right they've won a game at home so it's not like it's impossible for them to win a game at home um we are looking forward to that that is going to end this episode of Adurin talk sports thank you so much for listening watching and enjoying in any way shape or form that you do until thursday everyone take care